one day I went to the office, I sat down, I read the newspaper, and the newspaper, right on the headlines, it says, Running Guru, Jim Fix dies while jogging. Well, when I read that, I just about floored me. I about fell out of my chair. I thought that, God, how could this happen? Now, here's the guy I've been looking up to, the guy that mm-hmm. seemed to have it, have it all going for him. But after that, I decided I better reconfigure things a little bit. Maybe I should look at the idea of getting a, a thorough checkup. And uh, so what I decided to do was to get an appointment with a specialist. And he got me on the treadmill, and he says, listen, he says, you're in tremendous shape he tells me i think you broke the record the all-time record in my office he says whatever you're doing just keep doing it because you're the picture of health and i just think you're going to live a long time and your heart seems to be great and uh, on the way out of the office he says to me there's only one thing i could find through our examination he says there's a mole on your back and he says the mole doesn't look you know totally normal it's probably nothing this looks a little different to me and he says you know if i was you i'd just get it checked out i went eventually went in to get it checked out and when i went in to see the doctor the dermatologist he said take off your shirt and let's see what you got he goes around behind me looks at my back and he says oh my gosh and he starts to get all excited you know and he says oh my goodness you know he says i think you have melanoma just like that and i was like what melanoma you know i didn't know much about it but i knew it wasn't a good sounding word and when he said that you know i just was shocked because uh he went on to tell me that i could die from that he says you know this is serious melanoma is very serious Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest has an amazing and special story, James Templeton, about where he was really, by the medical condition, left to die from his cancer. And he took charge of that. And this really is his story, his journey, his encouragement to those of you out there that and who hasn't been touched by this nasty, nasty disease is that you do have options. There are things out there that you can do. And the medical condition or the medical profession, pardon me, doesn't always promote or support these. But he is now a 33 or a 30-year survivor of cancer. And so it can be done. So with that, uh, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment on whatever platform that you're listening to. And today's product that we want to focus on is that we have recently revised the Stress Indicator and Health Planner. It is CRG's longest tool that actually has 120 questions, but don't let that scare you because really we break down in five different categories your stress and wellness levels And it really helps you because it's so refined. It helps you to determine where am I getting my stress? What could be contributing to it? And then as part of the planner, because we have the latest research inserted there, what are some things I need to do about it? So if it's around interpersonal stress, if it's the lifestyle and nutrition, which we've recently updated with just brand new research, if it's around time stress or occupational, we break that down into sort of smaller chunks 
so that you can do something about it. So my encouragement is that you would, if you haven't already, that you if you care about your health and wellness or you know somebody that you want to have them sort of take notice of it, then consider the Stress Indicator and Health Planner and there'll be links in one of the show notes and all the platforms here. So here's the story. And again, thank you for listening. The story of James Templeton of really having stage four cancer and just really his journey of going on to his own sort of path and here 30 years later, really to encourage others that no matter what your condition, you can go to the next level. Thanks for listening. Now here's James. Well, today's a very unique guest because really he has a journey of overcoming. Overcoming that little disease that people talk about or that illness called cancer. So welcome to the show, James Templeton. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Ken. It's great to be with you today. Well, I know, James, you've written a book, I Used to Have Cancer. And we're going to get into that here in a moment. Uh, but, you know, before we get into your journey, and of course, as a person who embraces alternative health and wellness and taking responsibility, I mean, we can't get into what you did there. But before we get into that, just a little bit of your background. Where did you grow up, James? I grew up in Texas. I'm a fifth generation Texan. And uh, I, you know, I'm not in Texas now. I live outside of Texas, but uh, I grew up there and, you know, I've got uh, a lot of relatives there. And so it's a wonderful place. Yeah, and what did you, and I just came out of San Antonio, so we enjoyed our time there as speaking as a, at a conference. But uh, James, what was sort of your family background where you grew up rural? Are you in the city? Where, whereabouts and what happened? There? Well, I grew up in the city and actually in Houston, but my parents both grew up in small a small town out probably an hour's drive north of Houston. And that's where I ended up after, uh, you know, got out of high school and went to college and I ended up uh, living in a small town eventually about an hour's drive north of Houston. It was Huntsville, Texas. Mm. I've heard of that place before. So what were you doing? What was your profession? Well, I had a number of businesses back then. I I had these uh, convenience stores like gasoline convenience stores. I had uh, regular gas stations because when I was in college, I worked at, at a gas station and one of the guys that uh, uh, one of the owners of the gas station eventually sold me one of the gas stations, and then I ended up with it. So I started that gas station. I started uh, another one or two. Then I had a convenience store. So I was in that kind of business, and I even even had a oil field equipment rental business along with two other guys. So I was a young entrepreneur that was very ambitious and very successful, and I had a wife. I had a little girl that wasn't even two years old and I guess you could say I was successful but I had life by the tail mm, mm, for sure now of course there's no oil in Texas so I'm not even sure how you had a gas station of course I'm kidding <laughs> for sure yeah so so you're going through you're the successful entrepreneur in over 30 years ago all of a sudden you have this diagnosis but before you have that what were some of the things that were going on before you discovered that you had cancer or it was identified that you had cancer? 
Well, I was a big runner, and I was an exercise uh, fanatic, and I ran all the time, and I worked out all the time, and, and the reason I got into this because my father and my grandfather both died at a very young age. Uh, my father at 46, my grandfather at 36, which I never really knew my grandfather, but they died of heart disease, and, you know, I didn't want to be the next one, so I got into this thinking that, you know, after my father died when I was in high school at the age of 17 years old mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be the next one and I, I'd be lucky if I lived to be 30 because you know I'm, I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking I better start to enjoy life I better start to live it up a little bit so I started to do that you know and and I think I went through a lot of depression and and over my father's death and I had kind of the what what's the use attitude and I felt like you know why why even care if you're not going to live to be an old man so uh, long story short I ended up getting married I started to you know get into the running thing because I read a book about a guy that was he was really kind of considered one of the running gurus back then he was an exercise uh, guru also and his name was Jim Fix and Jim mm-hmm. Fitz was this guy that his father died, I believe it was at the age of 35 of a heart attack. And he got into running thinking that he was going to sidestep the heart disease thing himself. So he felt that running and exercising and, you know, uh, would really keep that heart problem away so Mm -hmm. I thought if we could do it why couldn't I do it so I really got into it heavy duty and started to think that I was going to be like him and uh, I one day I went to the office I sat down I read the newspaper and the newspaper right on the headlines it says running guru Jim Fix dies while jogging well, when I read that, I just about floored me. I about fell out of my chair. I thought that, God, how could this happen? Now, here's the guy I've been looking up to, the guy that mm-hmm. seemed to have it, have it all going for him. And here I am running every day, running up to 60 miles a week and, and uh, you know, working out and thinking I could just about do anything I wanted as long as I did that, and I would be okay. Well, after that, I was, you know, totally shocked. But after that, I decided I better reconfigure things a little bit. Maybe I should look at the idea of getting a, a thorough checkup and maybe even a stress test, one of these cardio stress tests. And uh, so what I decided to do was to get an appointment with a specialist and that did these kinds of tests. And I went in to see this guy, and he got me on the treadmill, and he says, listen, he says, you're in tremendous shape. He tells me, I think you broke the record, the all-time record in my office. He says, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because you're the picture of health. And I just think you're going to live a long time, and your heart seems to be great. And uh, on the way out of the office, he says to me, there's only one thing I could find through our examination. He says, there's a mole on your back. And he says, the mole doesn't look, you know, it's totally normal. It's probably nothing. It just looks a little different to me. And he says, you know, if I was you, I'd just get it checked out. When you get a chance, go down to a dermatologist and uh, have someone look at it. And he says, there's one down the hall from here. And so, James, you know, James, how old are you at this time? 
I'm 32 years old. You're 32, and then you've been married for how long? I've been married for about, uh, oh, back then, I'd say, I'm trying to think. I've been married for about seven years. And then your, your, uh, you said you had a daughter, so how old was she then? My daughter was not even two. She was uh, between uh, probably about uh, 17 months old. Okay, so just, you know, in your 30s, 32, 33 years of age, and you're really kind of going through this, and you're fit, and you have all this energy, so you're feeling good, but the doctor said, well, maybe check this thing out. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I decided I better do that, and I didn't think much about it because he didn't make a big deal out of it. So I went eventually went in to get it checked out, and when I went in to see the doctor, the dermatologist, he said, take off your shirt, let's see what you got. He goes around behind me, looks at my back, and he says, oh, my gosh, and he starts to get all excited, you know, and he says, oh, my goodness, you know. He says, I think you have melanoma just like that and i was like what melanoma you know i didn't know much about it but i knew it wasn't a good sounding word and when he said that you know i just was shocked because uh he went on to tell me that i could die from that he says you know this is serious melanoma is very serious and he says uh i've I, I know that you most likely have it. He says, we're probably going to have to take a large portion of tissue, you know, from your back. And he went on to tell me that, you know, as we needed to get on this soon, real quick, and get some surgery going on this. Well, I didn't like his bedside manner, and I just, he scared me so bad the way he acted. He acted like right. he had found the, you know, won the lottery. Mm-hmm. So after that, I said, well, I'm going to think about this, and I'll get back to you. Well, I left, and I started my trip home. Back, I lived 10 miles from town, and when I got home, I was shaking. You know, I was just so upset that I asked my wife, you know, what she thought about it. And she said right off the bat, I think you need to get another opinion. So I thought that was probably the smart thing to do. So I decided to go and see a dermatologist that I had seen in the past. And I went to see this guy, and he says, well, it looks suspicious to me. But he said, it's probably nothing. But you know what? Why don't I send you over to a friend of mine that is a world-renowned doctor? He's an oncologist. And he would really know what it is, and he'd be the guy to, you know, uh, look at it going forward. And I thought, well, I guess if I have to see the see another doctor, this would be the best guy to see. So I felt kind of lucky at the time. And uh, I went to see this other guy, and I go in, and he says, well, it looks suspicious to me also. He says, but, you know, the only way we're going to really know, he says, let's just take it out and uh, see exactly what it is. And he says, we can do it right here in the office. And he says, lie on the table here. And he took a big, you know, kind of square plug out of my back around this mole. And he says, you know, I'll send this in to the lab. Then we'll see exactly what it is. And I'll get back to you in a few days. Well, I went home and, you know, and, and, uh, 
all I did was worry. You know, he told me, he says, don't worry. There's nothing you can do. Just go home and I'll call you. But all I did was worry. I couldn't sleep at night after that. And I was just a nervous wreck. And I didn't know what else to do but, you know, sit around and worry. And it was almost two weeks before I got another call from him. Mm. And uh, he calls me up and I was, you know, just on pins and needles and he tells me right then he says I've got some good news and I've got some bad news on the phone and I'm like oh boy and he tells me right then he says the good news is it's melanoma and I thought to myself good news and then he went on to say but I think we've got it all in that area in the peripheral area around that that area that that plug that we took out of your back you know there's no signs of cancer around the outer layers of tissue he said so that's a good thing but he went on to tell me the bad thing bad news is is that it's very deep and he said it's very deep and that means it's stage four on on a scale called the clark scale right and, and all said, of us all of us listening of course have heard of well, I have stage one or stage four. Stage four yeah. is like the fire alarm stage, isn't it? It is. It is. It's the it's the the kind of cancer that usually metastasizes, and usually people with stage four cancer, uh, you know, don't survive very long. In most cases, no matter what kind of cancer it is, you know, mm -hmm. usually it's a, it's a short period of time of survival rate in, on average. Uh, so he told me, he says, that's the only thing. We have to be very concerned about it because there's a good chance it's going to spread. And he says, we got to keep a real close eye on this. And he says, all I know to do is to check you every three months or so. You'll come in the office and we'll look over your body. We'll check your lymph nodes and we'll make sure there's no swelling in the lymph nodes no issues there and he says that's all we can really do he says just go home you know and don't worry don't don't think much about it there's nothing you can do just go back to your normal lifestyle so james because, don't worry i know <laughs> so so you know when they tell you it's kind of like a kid they tell you don't do this and the kid does it does the opposite yeah, well that's all i did was worry you know of course you worry you think that that this isn't good news and even though the doctor says you know let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that we never see it again well i mean that's that could happen i guess that's happened before but i worried and we didn't have the internet back then so i couldn't just go online and start looking and searching and you know trying to find information so no i know james there are some listeners that don't believe a world before internet but i'm one of those one of those individuals. So I get it. I understand. So no internet, but now, you know, you have this diagnosis, you have some concerns, then what did you do? Well, what I did was I started to research everything I could find, and even I, I got some feedback from people in town. Uh, I, we had a doctor friend that we had met that was a surgeon, and he told us that, you know, people with stage four melanoma usually didn't last, didn't live more than three years or so. He hated to tell me that, so he says it's very serious, and uh, you might want to start to think about, you know, getting your 
affairs in order, you know, and, and because uh, that's usually what happens. Well, after that, I, you know, was just a total wreck, and I felt like, you know, uh, you know, I was at the end of my days and I had to start do thing, doing things that I wanted to do before it was too late and I started to lose my uh, you know my ambition I started to lose my drive I started to be de- very depressed I wasn't well uh, look at the medical system and what it did to you James is like let's just motivate you yeah it was an interesting how it really did the opposite Yes. Uh, to you at that time. Well, because they tell you there's nothing you can do but just come in and get checked. And then I hear from people, other people, that don't want to tell you this, but this guy's trying to be your friend to tell you. And he tells you that he's heard and thinks that it's probably not going to be a good outcome. So, yes, I was extremely, extremely stressed out, extremely fearful. Uh, I mean, I was like a little kid that didn't want to go anywhere where do anything anymore and before I knew it it started to cause problems with my marriage uh, I was not a happy camper my wife eventually left and moved into town with my little girl and here I was at home uh, just in this terrible mood and uh, I started to you know just have this feeling what's the use you know I'd almost felt like I was going to give up so what did I do I started to go out self-medicate and start drinking with my old friends that I used to drink with and started going out and thinking if I drink and go out and have some fun maybe I forget about it well that went on for a while so James when you think about it so your stress which contributes to illness and then you go drinking, which contributes to illness. So you were really treating yourself well then, weren't you? Oh, I was. Oh, yeah. I was. Uh, I was doing all the right things, you know. You're telling, you're telling the audience what not to do. Okay, so you you went through all of this, and then eventually you were uh, diagnosed with the cancer in your lymphatic system. So let's yes. just kind of skip down to that. So what happened is, is I found a lump in my groin that. Um, was in the growing area and it was getting uh, larger and I was very concerned about it. I called the doctor up. He says, let's have you come in and let's see exactly what it is. He went in, put me in surgery. Uh, he thought it was just going to be like a little biopsy or something. He goes in and I knew I was in trouble because I woke up and there was this huge incision in my growing area and I had all these bandages and everything. And the doctor, he walks in and the recovery room and he says to me he says well he says James I'm sorry to tell you but the cancer has spread to your lymphatic system and he says to me he says uh, that's not what we wanted to see he says that you're going to have to do chemotherapy because that's all we know to do and he says we're going to use an experimental type of chemotherapy and we want to do 80 treatments of chemotherapy and he says that's all we know to do with this he said it's the only thing that could have could help with this at all in my view and he says to me then he says we removed all your major lymph nodes and your growing area and he says I want you to use this uh, lymph drainage pump every day you have to use it several hours a day and he says that if you don't 
you could get lymphedema and end up losing your leg because my leg was already twice the size of the other one from all the, the lymph drainage and it had to retrain itself and it was going to take months for this to, to this process you had to do this so this was several hours a day and then he went on to tell me he says I think you only have a 20% chance of surviving three to five years if you can get through these chemotherapy treatments. He says, that's all the, the, new, the best news I can give you. And he says, as soon as you recover from the surgery, he says, then we will start the chemotherapy while you're still in the hospital. We'll do five treatments at a time. And then every two months, you'll come back and do five more treatments. Because this was like they would elevate my temperature as high as they could to where you're just freezing to death. And then they would induce the chemotherapy. And it was, uh, I mean, it just you know, it had weighted blankets on top of me and all this to keep me from shaking and jumping around. It was like that. It was terrible stuff. But I knew I was in a fix. I knew that uh, I, if I didn't do something else, if I didn't find something else, I was going to be a true goner. You know, I knew that. that well, was James, be the so end I just stop days. you for a second, James, because you really said you were feeling defeated. You were down. You were doing self-destructive behaviors. Now this occurred and this happened. You have this sort of huge inconvenience, I say that lightly, with your leg and everything like that. What was the tipping point for you? And this is for the audience, James, you know, your yeah. story and your encouragement to them for you well, to say, I'm going to take charge of my situation. Now, did you do some chemo tr uh, treatments? I did. I did 10 total. You did when, 10, but you didn't do the 80. Done. You didn't do didn't the 80, do 80 that they talked about. No, and what happened is, is here I am laying there in the hospital, you know, feeling all down and out, knowing there had to be something else I could do, though. And uh, I got a phone call out of the blue, and the phone call was from a minister of a church that I went to back in my hometown. And he calls me up and he says to me, he says, listen, James, he says, I've been praying for you. He says, many people are praying for you. He says, I want you to know that you cannot give up. He says, I know that you're that it doesn't look good for you. But he says, you have to fight. You have to fight like you've never fought in your life. And this guy was an ex-baseball player, professional baseball player. And he was a tough kind of guy. And he was a runner like me. He was older than me. But I really respected the guy. And he, he got my attention. Because at the end of the phone call, he says, you beat this SOB in cancer. I mean, he didn't say it like that. He let it hang all out, and he right. told me. It got my attention. It got, it got this spark inside of me. This fight started to build inside of me that mm. I can't quit. I can't give up. So I started to pray, and I really did. I started to pray. It made me think that, you know, what else can I do? I have to start to pray. I've got to get an answer. So I started to pray, and I prayed to God, and I prayed harder than I ever prayed in my life, and I I wasn't a real religious guy, and I wasn't a guy that prayed a lot, but I prayed so hard that I felt like every cell in my being was was praying. I felt like it was almost like an out-of-body experience, and I know exactly I've never felt like that 
you know, before that. And I felt this energy and I prayed so hard and asked for God to give me some kind of answer, something I could do. I knew there had to be something else, God. You have to help me. And I'm telling you, about 20 minutes later, I got a knock on the hospital door. It just just out of the blue. It was a friend of mine that comes through the door that I hadn't seen in over seven years from college. And he had some papers in his hand. He walks through the door and he says, I heard you were in the hospital. He said, a friend of ours, an old friend told me about you. Uh, and he says, I was driving around and I didn't know if I should come in and see you, but I was in the area and something just told me I needed to go see you. No matter what, just pull in, go see him. You're doing the right thing. I have to go see you. So this was right after the prayer. He comes in. He has this article in his hand. It was a book review article about a guy that cured himself of cancer using a diet and lifestyle. Well, I had never heard of things like this because, you know, where I come from, you go to the doctor. And when you get sick, you go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you this, and you do what he says. So I was uh, from that that way of thinking and so now this guy had this article and I knew right then this is what I'm supposed to do to get well I just knew he didn't even know anything about it really and it was an article about a guy that used a macrobiotic diet and lifestyle to heal himself from prostate cancer and the guy was a uh, well-known TV uh, actor that had been on a show back then it was the A-Team and it was uh, this guy, and his name was uh, uh, Templeton Peck. That's his real name on the show, and he went by face, and his name was Dirk Benedict. Dirk Benedict. Of course. Well, when I heard that, I said, wait a minute. I'm going to do this, and now I hear his name. I didn't even know what his name was on the show. Well, his name was Templeton. My name's Templeton. I said, is this a coincidence or what? You know, I'm going to do this diet. If it'll work for him... It'll work for me. So that's where I started getting some energy. I started to feel my will starting to kick in. I had my friend go out and get this book for me that evening, and he brought it back to me. And I read that book, and I couldn't put it down. I was all drugged up on morphine and everything else from the pain. and But I tell you, I couldn't put that book down. I was excited inside. I felt like this was my ticket to getting well. And uh, so I, I was so excited. And the next day, I'm laying there in the hospital, and I got another knock on the door of the hospital. And it was a visitor, and it was my stepmother. My stepmother comes in the door, and she happened to have a book in her hand. And the book was a, a book about vitamin C and cancer. Well, I never heard of that. I didn't know about that either. So the book was written by Linus Pauling, and it talked about how people that were uh, terminally ill cancer patients that took high dose vitamin C seemed to stay around for quite a while. They would they would not die very easily. Mm. And when they would stop doing the vitamin C, then they would sometimes, you know, go ahead and die. So there were people that even got well using high dose vitamin C. Well, I got excited because now I thought, well, I got a diet. I'm going to follow a lifestyle and I'm going to learn everything I can about this. And I'm also going to do the vitamin C because if it'll work for those people, why won't it work for me? Mm. So here I am all excited, and then I get one more. The next day I got one more knock on the door that was a big deal in my healing. 
So I'm laying there in the hospital, and here comes another knock on the door. Well, here comes a fellow through the door. I'd never seen him before. He walks in, and I said to him, uh, you know, uh, can I help you? And he says, yes, I'm the psychotherapist from the hospital, from the cancer ward. And he says, uh, I heard you were very depressed. I'd love to talk to you. He said, maybe we can help you some way or another. And I said, well, I'd like to ask you something, though. I said, you can talk to me, but I want to ask you something. Have you ever heard of anything called macrobiotics? And he says to me, hold on a second. He goes over the door, across the room, shuts the door, and he comes back. And he says to me as he sits down, he says, yes, I have heard of macrobiotics, and I'm going to tell you everything I know about it if you promise to t not to tell anyone we had this conversation. He says, I don't want to lose my job, my pension. I've been here for many years, and I'll lose everything if, if you tell anybody we talked about this. So now I know I'm really on to something because this guy's doing this in the secrecy. And he goes on so to So, James, let's just stop you there for a second, James. Don't you think that's interesting that the medical profession protects and then would even attack or delicense, if that's a word, a, a professional if there are alternatives? Don't you find that shocking? Oh yeah, it is very shocking, you know, and and it's it's just how it is, you know. They don't want you to know about anything else, and and uh, I mean they really don't. They're not going to offer it. And this guy went on to tell me, he says, "Look, this is a, a unbelievable diet for some people." He said, "Some people get well on this diet." He said, "It takes a lot of work, a lot of determination." He said, "There's a right way to do it and a wrong way. If you do it the right way and you give it 150 percent, he said, I believe you could probably do very well with this." He says, "By the way, you don't seem very depressed." He says, "I I, I thought I was going to find a very depressed guy here." So he went on to tell me he'd even tried it; it didn't work for him because he couldn't stick with it. But he says, "If if if you want to do this." He says, I think it could really help you. And I've seen a lot of things, as I said before. So now I'm really excited. I was very, 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 it was a very positive visit. And uh, it confirmed what I had read and what I was learning. So now I thought, well, I'm going to do all these things. I'll do the diet, the vitamin C, and the chemotherapy. Because at that point, I thought chemo was, was a good thing. But uh, I, I left that day. I mean, he left, and I was very excited. And I got through that first five treatments of the chemotherapy, uh, ended up leaving, starting the macrobiotic diet. Now, and, when you said uh, leaving, so you, you stopped doing your chemo? No, I didn't stop. I went home because after the first five treatments, I went home, and I had to come back two months later and do five more treatments. So I went home and started to read everything I could, and I started to get involved in, in this macrobiotic lifestyle and diet. I started to introduce it, myself to it and start to eat it as 
best I could. And I didn't do the vitamin C yet, but I was going to. I was just trying to gather all the information I could. And as as uh, two months went by really fast, and I was still recovering from the surgery, I ended up back in the hospital doing uh, more chemotherapy. So I'm in there, and they must have doubled it or tripled it because I've never been so sick in my life and so weak in my life. And uh, the doctor comes in one day, and I told him, I said, Doctor, I'm so sick. I'm miserable. I said, I have no energy. I can't eat. I'm throwing up. And he says to me, he says, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but he says, you're just not responding the way we had hoped. Your body's not responding it's rejecting the chemotherapy and he said that's not a good thing and i said to him well what would you do if it was your son or daughter and he says well i'd do the same thing there's nothing else i know to do and i said even if it's going to kill them you would do it he goes well he says you know uh we're all going to die someday like that to me and i said well isn't there some something else i can do he said no. And I said, what about vitamin C? What about a diet, special diet, nutrition? He goes, none of that works like that to me. Well, it made me so mad when he told me that, that I basically raised up in the bed because I was very weak and very sick. And I raised up in that bed and I said to him, I said, listen here, you SOB. If I could get out of this bed, I would tear you apart. And I mean, that guy turned around. He went to the, through the door like he'd seen a ghost. And I never saw that doctor ever again because two nights later, I decided to sneak out of the hospital at 2 in the morning. I didn't want any more part of that. I felt like if I didn't get out of there, I wasn't going to survive, and I wasn't going to stick around to see what was going to happen. And I just felt deep inside that I needed to do just all natural. Uh, my body wasn't. responding Uh, I I didn't have a good outlook going forward and I didn't want to be like one of these other people that were dying nearly every night somebody would roll get rolled down the hallway and they would die of cancer but most of them were dying of pneumonia their immune system quits and then chemo kills you more than the cancer does in many cases so with that with that James you know, we only have about 10 minutes left in the show, but I want to make sure that we get two or three things done before we go. First of all, what would you say to those people that are going through difficulties with some kind of illness where the medical system says there was nothing I can do? What would you say to them? Well, I would say to anybody that's going through a difficult time that doesn't have a a very good outlook going forward that maybe has a you know slight chance of survival and they're not responding or whatever's going on I say that as long as you have enough energy and you have a will and you have to have that you have to believe in, in something that there is something out there for that individual you just got to find it and when you find it you're going to know that it's the right thing. You don't have to be talked into it. You don't have to have someone say, oh, please do this or don't do this. You're going to know. But you've got to start to search yourself. You've got to start to dig. You have to pray. You have to meditate. You have to learn that there is an answer. And if I can do it and those other people can survive and, and you know, and, those, and all these other people that have survived, then why can't they? It's out there. You just got to find it. And, you know, there's... There's sites you can go to nowadays, you know, on the online. There's clinics you can go to that have a very good track record. Even I have a, a uh, 
Templeton Wellness Foundation. I'm interviewing people that have had late-stage cancer, stage four in most cases, that have survived for 10 years or more, many of them 20, 30 years, like myself. And, you know, yes, there's, it's never-ending. I mean, you have to take care of yourself, but uh, they survived. Now, why can't these people? If these people did, why can't they? But you've got to believe the power of the mind, the power of the will, and and is so important. I mean, that's that's the thing that people have to understand. It's not an easy thing. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to you got to detoxify all the things in the body that that cause issues with the immune system. This is why people get cancer in the first place in most cases because they their body's toxic, their immune system's over overloaded, uh they 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 don't probably most people uh overdo or underdo. Uh they they need to use diet, detox and supplementation in most cases and they can get well, I believe that wholeheartedly. Now, so, James, let just just take for a second. What are some of the toxicities that people have in their systems and bodies? And I mean, this show goes around the world, but if we say North America, what's what's sort of a couple of well, the things that seem to be out there that even you were trying to purge your system from? Well, I mean, you know, you think of it. I wasn't like this. I was a younger guy, and I had a lot of energy from all the running and everything. And the, the running really built up my cardiovascular system. I think that was a big plus for me, and, and at a younger age, too. But I didn't eat right. You know, and when I, before I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't feel that good. I pushed myself. I, I had, you know, flus and sinus problems constantly. Uh, I, I ate terrible, you know, and I got into eating vegetarian almost diet. It was just basically salads and I would eat sweets and I was, you know, I wasn't supporting myself properly, you know, and I had eaten a, a meat and potatoes diet most of my life. But before I got sick, I got into this running thing and I was eating very little and pushing myself. So that didn't support myself. But the thing is, is most people eat way too much sugar. Sugar is a huge, huge problem in this country. Uh, 180 pounds a year of sugar is what most people ingest. And it's, I mean, that's crazy. You know, sugar feeds cancer like nothing else. Most people are overweight. They need to lose weight and, and are toxic. And they've got chemicals in their body. They're, everyone's under a lot of stress, chemicals from, from uh, you know, uh, you name it, from pesticides, cleaners, you name oh, yeah. all those kinds I of had, things. I had, I had petrochemicals in my system from owning these gas stations, and I had been involved with, uh, you know, working with glues and PVC glues for years as a pipe fitter when I was younger. So all this stuff was toxic to my system, but there's a lot of stress. People have a lot of stress. They're under, under a lot of stress in their lives but there's pesticides and household products you know look in people's cabinets you got to start to clean up and start using all natural uh, products in your house for cleaning and and there's people that are getting secondhand cigarette smoke and cigarettes people that smoke and and radiation you know there's a lot of airborne radiation out there that's a huge thing you know from people living near nuclear power plants or nuclear facilities. I mean, that's something people don't talk about very much. And then there's dental issues, dental toxicity in your in your mouth. Oh, um, mercury. 
from mercury and and root canals. There's a lot of studies to support this. This is not just just people talking about it. It's very. It's all about taking the toxic load out of your body so that your body can thrive again. And you know we're dealing with with of course again the polluted air inside and out around us. So you know and then then there's one thing that I discovered that was a really big deal and I think it's a really big deal to to most people that have cancer and other people also I discovered in my journey the the uh, the subject of intestinal parasites and intestinal parasites which I found I had and I went to a doctor it's all this is in my book I used to have cancer all the things that we're talking about all the things that I did and everything I would do if I had to do it over again and because I've learned a lot over the years but well, I learned about that well thanks James for that and of course here we are we're already at the end of the show and there's all these different components so I'm going to encourage people so first that they would get your book you will cover the details in there when we think about, you know, what light, basically what your story is saying to us, James, is that we always have a choice. And yes. unfortunately, a very high percentage of individuals trust the medical profession for their life. We actually had a family member who, four rounds of chemo, and was killing him. And he ended up dying younger. The, the, the cancer never went away. And so did we ever figure out the chemo wasn't working? Hello. So yeah. part of that whole, but they just kept giving him more. Well, let's do more. Let's do more. Well, then he, he died an early death as yeah. a result of that. And it was funny because the, the family members around him only would do what the doctor said. Nobody would question the doctor. Now, what you did was brave, James, to tell this doctor off that you have not done your homework. You are myopic. And if you took away chemo, radiation, or surgery, then the traditional sort of healthcare system has no options for you. So that being said, what, how can people find out about your book or yourself, James? What are, what are your websites? Well, they can find out about me at templetonwellness.com. This is where I interview people that have been survivors. I, I offer resource, a resource guide in the back for places and clinics and doctors and, and dentists and people around the country that I believe that are very, very uh, good at what they do. Uh, gives you some ideas, some important ideas. And that's templetonwellness.com. Uh, also, so if you go to IUSEDtohaveCancer.com, you can get three free downloads. Uh, the first one is the top five supplements that I believe are very, very important for cancer prevention. And also, I will give you ten of the top uh, recipes that I use on a regular basis that I feel are very healthy and this is all about prevention this is not treating anybody and then I will also give you uh, a, a schedule of the daily activities that I do on a regular basis to use that I use for preventative measures things that I think are very important so you can get this absolutely free just go to I used to have cancer.com and uh, that's pretty much how you get a hold of me and then you can get your book from your website if they want to order it or do you have it on Amazon it. as well it's on Amazon Barnes and Nobles it's everywhere Okay. So, James, what would be the last statement of wisdom you would have to individuals around their wellness that you want to leave as an encouragement to the listeners today? 
Well, I'd like to just say to people that, look, you know, again, if I can get well and stay well for 30 plus years, you know, I've survived all these years and I know many other people that have and we were pretty much written off. We've been through the medical uh, thing and we've done the, you know, the chemo, the radiation and the surgery. And uh, sometimes people just go all natural. But if you're going through this, there's always a way. You just got to find something you can truly believe in. And, and you know, sometimes you have to, you know, uh, make arrangements to get away from people that don't really, you know, support you properly because support is such an important thing. And you got to surround yourself with like, like-minded people. Mm. Uh, you can't be around, you know, people. You can't be going through chemotherapy that's not working and just sit there and think, well, there's nothing else I can do because believe me, there's a lot you can do. And, you know, I hate to see it. And that's why I started this foundation because I got tired of seeing my friends, my family, my colleagues get cancer and many of them die because they couldn't get out of the, the grips of the mm. uh, conventional medicine and they thought there was nothing else they could do and I know better because I've interviewed people with stage four pancreatic cancer that have thrived and survived for many years and and you know what did they do they changed their diet their lifestyle their whole outlook uh, it's 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 there it's obtainable all you have to do is go for it okay well thanks James for uh, spending the time and sharing your story on our show today thank you so much uh, dr. Ken it's been great to be with you well listeners uh, James Templeton I used to have cancer how I found my way back to health you know what that uh, here at CRG we do support that you would take responsibility for your wellness your health and we do health shows here on SOS because you know if you don't have your health what do you have you have nothing really so take responsibilities thank you for spending your most valuable commodity with us today that's your time if you like what we're doing please share pass it on let other people know about the secrets of success thank you for listening i'm your host dr ken keys thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us if you want to keep the momentum going log on to crgleader.com scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails you can also take your success to the next level by following us on facebook and twitter and connecting with ken on linkedin We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.